Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, we hope you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever had like something that was supposed to work and, and it didn't work. I was on a plane, which by the way, last week, Pastor David Slayton preached an incredible message. Come on, how many of you were here for last week? Absolutely amazing and um, did such a great job and, and listened to it earlier and and, and, and then the week before that, we, we finish up our At The Movie series. But last week, while he was preaching and finishing up the 12, I was just beginning the first service in San Diego, where I was speaking at a church there. But on my way to San Diego, um, I purchased on the flight, because it's a five and a half hour flight, I purchased the Wi-Fi package for the entire flight. Spent $19 on it, and my phone just wouldn't connect. And, and I'm looking around, and, and I asked the flight attendant, hey, I think that there's something wrong with the internet. Can you give me a refund? And she's like, well, no, other people are on. And she goes, what about the guy next to you? And I look at the guy next to me, and, and I'm like, hey, are you able to get on the Wi-Fi? He's like, yeah, I am. And I'm like, well, man, maybe it's because I'm in these cheap seats in the back of the plane, and, and, and I, I don't know what's going on. And so I reset it, and then he's like, he works in IT, and he's like telling me all these things to do. My phone just wouldn't connect. Isn't it just frustrating when it's supposed to work? But it doesn't work. Have you ever gone out to eat before? And like you're with friends or you're with people and you give them your card and they come back and they're like, hey, I'm so sorry, but your card was declined. (laughs) Don't look at me like that's never happened to you. And now you have the job that you've got to explain to another human being. It's not because I don't have the funds. There must be something wrong with the card. And they look at you like, yeah, right, come on. And I'm like, dude, I've got $5 to pay for the hamburger. I've got the money. Come on, anybody know what I'm like? It's supposed to work, but it's not working. I found out for me it was my chip. It was like a chip card, and they didn't have the slide thing, so you have to pay with chip. And so I had to literally leave my Apple Watch with them for a $5 burger and then go to my bank and get $10 out to pay for a five. And I had to leave a $200 watch to pay for a $5 burger. And I was with some people, and they're like, Pastor, do you need some money? I'm like, no, I got five bucks. <laughs> what do you do, though, when, when what was supposed to work doesn't work in, in, in our life? You see, one thing that I know is that with God, if you're in a season where things aren't working out, you're in a season where you're like, man, this is a tough season. As long as you're planted, God has determined that your steps will work out, but you just have to press on a little bit. You just have to develop some perseverance. So today what I want to do is I want to give you some perseverance notes. Pastor, what do I do to get through this season? Number one, write this down in your notes. There are times where we have to move past failures, setbacks, and damaged thinking. I believe one of the number one reasons why we we don't get past our past is because we can't get past our failures, our setbacks, and that leads to damaged thinking. Paul says this, head. Now let me tell you something, and I want you to strain forward to what is ahead. Now let me tell you something, this message today, it's not a self-help message. It's not even really meant to be an encouraging message if you've got problems. Because how many of you know, many times, we just go to God when we have problems. 
And that's fine. God wants you to go to him with your problems. But we shouldn't just go to God when we need help with our problems. Come on. How many of you know we should be people that go to God and say, God, I want greater vision for my life. You see, today is not just to help people who are down and help people that are discouraged. This is to help every person in this room to get a better vision, a bigger vision for your life. To say, God, I'm thankful for what you've done in my life, but I know you've created me for something more, for something greater. Come on. Is there someone in the 12 o'clock? that you believe that God's got something greater in your future. But we have to get past our failures. Anybody ever failed before? We have to get back like setbacks. Things that happen unexpectedly. It was a, it was a setback. And if we don't get past our failures and our setbacks, let me tell you what happens. Our thinking becomes damaged. You see, the danger of you living in the rearview mirror is that it damages your thinking to dream and have faith and have hope of what God has for you in your future. You see, that's why it's so imperative for every person in this room that we leave this place with a determined mindset of saying, I'm not going to live in the past. I'm not going to live in my past failure. Yeah, I failed, but I'm not a failure. Yes, I messed up, but I'm not a mess up. Come on, is anybody here today that says, man, there was a setback, but it's not going to keep me set back. I'm going to keep going forward. You see, Joyce Myers, she's this great author, and she wrote in this book called The Mind is a Battlefield. And here's what she says in this book. The whole book, it's around this premise that says this, that God and Satan, come on, anybody know that you have an enemy? Satan and God, they are battling for one part of your life. Just one part of your life. And what they are in battle for is possession of your mind. And whoever you give the victory of your mind to, that will determine your future. Because here's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants to discourage you. He wants to cause you to always relive and rehearse and repeat the failures of your past. And how he does that is he takes control of your mind and he begins creating cycles of when you're discouraged, you begin to go down this cycle of discouragement, of failures and setbacks, and it damages your thinking. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 5 says this, we take captive, someone say captive, every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Pastor, how do, I, how do I take authority over my thoughts? How do I not live in negativity? How, how do I get past my past? Scripture tells us that you can take captive your thoughts and you can make your thoughts obedient to Christ. Let me help you out. This morning, at 9.12 this morning, I actually had to practice this. At 9.12 this morning, I get a phone call from some of my extended family members. Come on, how many of you know we just finished Thanksgiving, family gets together, hey, it's awesome. And then all of a sudden, two days later, I'm getting a call because like, you're the pastor in the family, you need to be the mediator, you need to fix this. And I'm like, I don't even know, and my phone is blowing up with text. So I've got these extended family members I haven't seen for two years. And they're blowing up my phone. Like, tell me, you're not going to believe what my dad did. You're not going to believe what my son And all of a sudden, all these negative thoughts start coming to my head. Even against my family. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm like, my gosh, these people are crazy. Leave me alone. 
And then all of a sudden I'm hearing one side and I'm taking one person's side and I'm taking their offense and I'm offended for them at their own family member that's not even directly related to me and I'm taking up their offense and I've got this bad attitude and all of a sudden God just reminded me, David, you're called to preach the good news today. You need to take captive your thoughts. You need to put your phone on airplane mode and you need to focus on what's ahead because here's what will happen. You can take captive your thoughts. Like, in other words, you may have to develop this, and it would be good for you just to circle that, underline that in your notes. Take captive my thoughts, because, listen, the greatest battle in your life is over your mind. It's over your thoughts. Because how many of you know negativity is like the first impulse in our life? It's never the positive side. Negativity comes so easily. But I've come here to tell you that you can begin to replace negativity and despair and defeat for victory. Come on, somebody. With the word of God. With the power and strength of our God. You see, here's what I've come to understand is that I take captive every thought when I begin to self-talk. Like, in other words, I've learned to talk to myself. You're like, Pastor, but that's crazy if I talk to myself. You already do it. Come on, you know you talk to yourself. You're in the car, someone cuts you off, you're like, idiot! Like, can you believe you did that? And like, some people like even talk to like someone in the passenger seat and they're not even there. Can you believe that? How many of you know you've crossed the line there? Like, yeah, that is weird. But man, you already talk to yourself. You hang up the phone. You're like, you're running a few minutes late because there's a bad traffic accident. Your boss is like, where are you at? You're like, I've been on time 364 days this whole year. I'm late one day. You're not even on the phone with them anymore. Like you're talking to yourself. You know what? We talk to ourselves more than we even know it. You talk to yourself in your mind. My question is, how are you doing with your self-talk? You see, my self-talk always looks at the negative, but I've learned to take captive thoughts that are not of God. I've learned to take captive thoughts that want to remind me of my failures and things that have happened in my past. And let me tell you, your past is just yesterday. You're like, well, my past, Pastor, is my past like two years ago? Is it five years ago? No, no, no. Your past is yesterday. I'm here to tell you, don't focus on even what happened yesterday. Don't even focus on your conversation this morning. Begin to say this. I'm going to look out the windshield at God's glory and God's grace and God's promise and God's provision. I can't change anything about my past, but you can better believe that I'm going to walk in God's destiny for my future. So I'm going to take captive my thoughts by self-talk. You see, if we don't self-talk, here's what we will do. We will self-sabotage. And many of us, what we do is we sabotage ourselves with our minds. How we do that is we relive and repeat and rehearse all the things in our past. I love the story of Job. Several weeks ago, I talked about him and and you thought it was Job, but it's Job in the Old Testament. I, I love the story of Job. And let me just give you a summary of his life. Job was a righteous man. The Bible talks about he was the, one of the most righteous men who were alive. He trusted God, had faith in God. And Satan wanted to, to really show God that not one human being would ever have faith in him when things are going tough. How many of you know it's easy to praise God when things are going great? But Satan said, well, what if one of your children, what if one of your men, what if one of your ladies that, that were blessed all of a sudden went through a really tough situation? And Satan tells God, I guarantee you they will curse you and want to die. And God says, okay, I picked Job. 
I guarantee you, Job will not curse me, no matter what you do to him. Nowhere else in Scripture does it say that God released Satan to attack someone like he did Job. So Satan comes and he brings this disease, kills all of Job's children, kills all of his animals and his livestock, which means his business, loses his home. He develops this, this, this horrible disease. I won't go through the, the details of it. I've studied it. It's absolutely horrible. It sores all over his body from head to toe. The Bible says that he was so tormented, he would take like glass and just like itch his skin with, come on, mm. like, come on, somebody. Like, it's so bad. And still he would not curse God and die. He would not say, God, why are you doing this to me? God, I thought you loved me. God, you, you must not be real after all. And in fact, Job's, his own wife, comes to Job in Job chapter 2 verse number 9 and they have a conversation and look at the difference between Job's thoughts and his wife's thoughts look what it says in verse number 9 and his wife said to him are you still trying to maintain your integrity Job why don't you curse God and die isn't it crazy that she uses the same phrase that the enemy used but look what Job says Job says you talk like a foolish woman guys don't talk to your wives like that. You don't want to call your wife foolish. Trust me. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God? This is Job talking to his wife. And never anything bad? So in all of this, Job said nothing wrong. You know what's crazy? Is that Job learned to talk himself into victory even when he didn't feel it. Can I tell you, our Christian faith is not lived out on feelings. Because there will be some days you don't feel like coming to church. There will be days that you don't feel like serving God. There will be days when you don't feel like forgiving someone. But can I tell you, our thing is not on feelings, it's on faith. And Job said this, I'm going to take captive my thoughts and I'm going to worship God no matter what I'm going through. I wonder if there's somebody here at the 12 o'clock service that would say, God, I'm going to worship you when things are going great. But God, I've come here and man, I'm struggling. I don't know where the answer is going to come from, but I'm going to lift up my hand. Oh, come on. On 12 o'clock and I'm going to worship you anyway. I don't know when the breakthrough is going to happen, but I'm going to worship. I'm going to praise you anyway. You see, what I believe is that, that this whole story of Job shows us that we shouldn't worship God for the blessing. Like we worship God for who he is. And when you worship God for who he is, you see, many times we, we, if we're not careful, we come to church because we want God to bless us. We serve God because we want God to bless us. No, Job was showing us that we worship God not for the blessing, regardless if we're blessed or regardless if we feel cursed. We worship God for who he is because he is a holy God, because he is the only God. And God, if you bless me, I'm going to praise you. But if I'm in the valley, I'm going to praise you. Ain't nobody or nothing going to steal the praise from my lips because God, I'm committed to you. That's good preaching, Pastor David. I know. You see, you may be here today, and you may have failed. Can I tell you, if you have failed in your life, then you're in good company. In fact, if you have failed, if you've made mistakes, if you have things that have caused setbacks in your life, come on, that does not disqualify you in your life from God using you. You know, many times we feel like we're not qualified. There will be things that will happen in your life that will make you feel like you're not qualified. 
But just because you don't feel qualified doesn't mean you're disqualified. Oh, that was so much better than what you said amen for. Listen, because if you have failed before, that means you had good company. Let me show you all throughout the Bible, people who God used and highlighted. These are called the superheroes in Scripture of who God used. Look at this. Noah. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old, but God used him. Isaac was a daydreamer, but God used him. Jacob was a liar. Leah was, she was ugly. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says she was ugly. How how many know you ugly if God like calls you out in the Bible? It's like, girl, you ugly. And we're going to write it in the Bible. (laughs) And for thousands of years, like God made her. And he's like, "Mm, you ugly. But he used her. Joseph, Joseph was abused, and God used him. Moses had a stuttering problem, but God called him to be a preacher. Gideon was afraid, but God called him to be one of the greatest warriors. Samson, he had long hair. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just highlighting. He had long hair, y'all. He had long hair. If you have long hair, good, man. I love it. He had long hair, but he he was a womanizer. Rahab, she was a prostitute. God used her to save a nation. Jeremiah and Timothy, people thought they were too young. David, the great king of Israel, he was an adulterer, but he was also a murderer. Elijah, one of the greatest prophets, was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. That'll never happen here at Brave Church. Jonah, someone said, thank you. Jonah ran from God, and God still used them. Naomi, she was a widow, and God used her. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist was so weird, he ate bugs. And Peter denied Jesus, not once, but three times. What failure are you giving so much power over your life? What is it that's in your past that you've said, That disqualifies me from God using me. Can I tell you? I've come here to remind you that failures and setbacks do not allow it to damage your thinking. If you have failures, if you're not perfect, God still wants to use you. God still has plans. Anybody thankful today? Anybody grateful today that God still wants to use us? Which leads me to this. Number two, you have to understand that Jesus sees beyond your failure. It's the opposite with us, right? Like we see the immediate. We see what's right in front of us. But can I tell you, with God, he doesn't just govern our lives and lead our lives based on our immediate. But God, he doesn't look into your immediate. He looks into your future. Did you know that God is already in your future? God is already working things out in your tomorrow. God is already protecting your children and your family tomorrow. Did you know that God is already answering your prayers in the future? Did you know that God is already, did you know that God's not bound by time? Come on, he is able to help you deal with your past, but he is all up in your future, working your destiny out or your steps that you can say I can trust God with my life every detail every scenario of my life I'm going to trust you because God is working it out 
You see, here's what we know in Hebrews chapter 10. Jesus comes on the scene and he introduces this new covenant. And he says, I, will, I have a new covenant for you and I will make this covenant with my people. And I will put my laws in their hearts. And watch this. And I will write them on their minds. There it is again. Their minds. God is after your thoughts. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless deeds. My question for you today is this. What are you remembering that God has already forgotten? What are you holding on to that God has already released? Can I just go a step further? There are some of us that people can't get free of their past because you haven't forgiven them of it. Sometimes people in our family just need a breakthrough, and their breakthrough is a phone call from us saying, hey, I just want you to know I forgive you. But they can't let go of their past because every time they see you, they're reminded of it because they know you're holding the grudge against them. And they're trying to, but they can't. Can I tell you, one of the greatest things you can do as a Christian is that you can let go of your past, but you need to let go of other people, their past too. I saw there's this like apparel I don't, I don't even know where it's at. It came up on Instagram several weeks ago. This apparel line. Some guy who owns this apparel company in New York. And, and on the back of the shirt, it says, may we have the same mercy for people that we want to receive in our own life. And I think that's so true of our lives. Because if, if Jesus doesn't see our failure, then we see people's potential. Come on, we need to be people who, like Jesus, that we see people's potential. We see what people can be. We don't look at them in the mess that they're in. And did you know, we have no idea why some people are the way they are and the hurt that they went through, but they're doing the best that they can with what they've been given. But when they see a person of mercy and they see someone at Brave Church have grace and forgiveness, all of a sudden we receive grace. We receive mercy. We receive forgiveness at a whole nother level. I remember hearing this story one time if the team wants to come up and, and the story goes that I think it was from uh, my uncle told me this story of his pastor in New York City that there was this, um, this mom who got on the subway in New York City with her, her children she had like four kids and, uh, and, and they're on this busy subway in New York and as they're on this subway um, the kids were just misbehaving terribly like they're just like throwing things and like papers, like hitting people in the side of the head. And, and, and this guy in the subway is thinking, why doesn't this woman just get control of her kids? Like, what is she doing? Like, how can she not just like be a good mom? And finally, this guy speaks up and he yells at her. And he goes, hey, why don't you discipline your kids? What's wrong with you? Like, your kids are causing chaos on this busy subway. Just get control of your kids. And the woman gathers her kids together. She's like, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. We just left the hospital. And their father just died. And I'm just in a, I don't even know what I'm going to do anymore. And that story just really reflected hard with me. Because the reality of it is, there's people who don't know what you've been through. But there's people we don't know what they've been through. And sometimes we get so offended by people. And if you just knew their story, if you knew what they've walked through, if you knew what they went through, you're like, well, pastor, you know, this person hurt me. I know, but how many people hurt them? Like forgiveness has to start somewhere. Grace has to start somewhere. Come on, if Jesus looks past our failure, we need to be people in Miami that we say, I'm going to look 
past other people's failure. God, help me to be the first to forget. Come on, help me to be the first. Help me to be the first to have grace and mercy. You see, I love Isaiah 61. It says this. Jesus has come to comfort all of those who mourn, to give a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. See, that's what God wants to do. He wants to make a great exchange today. The ashes, He wants to give us beauty. He says, give me your mourning, your sorrow, and I'll give you joy. You came in here today with despair. Hey, I want to put a garment of praise on you. Well, Pastor, how, how do I lean into this this year? How, how, do, I, how do I stop looking at my, my past and, and lean into my future? Number three, write this down. You have to understand it's never too late to start. And it's always too early to quit. It, it, it's never too late to start. Come on, how many of you know we live in a city like Miami? Everyone's starting a new diet every single Monday. Come on. It's never too late. You, you did South Beach. It didn't work. All right, do keto. Planet Fitness wasn't doing it. Sign up for LA. Like it's never too late to start. Can I tell you one of the greatest things that you can do to begin impacting your life is you can start some new habits today. You don't have to wait till New Year's. You can start today. Well, Pastor, what can I start today? You know what? You can go to DNA today. Why don't you start serving at Brave Church today? Come on, why don't you start tithing today? Why don't you start, man, why don't you start saying, God, I want to have a greater faith today. Why don't you start praying, God, help me to be a better dad today. I don't want to wait till tomorrow. God, help me to be a better mom today. God, help me to have a greater love for your word today. God, help me to have more faith today. God, help me to, to self-talk and take captive my thoughts in a better and stronger way today. God, help me to start today. The enemy would say, you're too old. You've wasted too many years. God says, it's not too late to start. Why don't you start today? Go for your destiny today but let me tell you it's also too early to quit some of us in this room man we're at the verge of throwing in the towel giving up on the marriage giving up on God giving up on hope giving up on your dream can I tell you many times we give up just before the breakthrough so pastor what do I have to do I put this in your notes write this down we have to break through our quitting point like when you're at the verge of quitting, when you're at the point of wanting to quit, that is the time where you need to lean in even more. That's the time where you say, you know what? I'm too close to my breakthrough. I'm too close to getting on the other side of this season to quit. You better believe I'm not gonna quit. I'm gonna keep going. Several years ago, I got talked into by a group of people here at Brave to, to do the Miami Marathon. And um, it was the half marathon, actually 13.1 demon possessed but forget the day came it was freezing and uh, and I trained for it and I'll never forget the day came it was freezing cold because I think it's like in January February and, and it was freezing cold downtown the race started when it's still dark outside and, and I'm there with all these runs like thousands tens of thousands of people and all of a sudden boom the gun goes off and we take off running and, and all of these people pass me because you have to understand it's about your pastor I've got a pace but my running pace is like a little bit faster than a walk. You know what I'm saying? Why are you laughing? And so, so I'm, I'm running and like all these people are passing me. But that's okay because I've got my pace. 
I wasn't trying to beat anyone. I was just trying to finish my race. You see, the many times, the reason why we get discouraged and disgruntled in our life is because we're, we're envious of someone else's race and how they're running it. Stop looking at how other people run the race and you run your race. Stop looking at how other people live their life. Stop, stop comparing your marriage to other people's marriage. Stop comparing your kids with other... Stop comparing your singleness with someone else's singleness. You run your race. Because here's what I know. God has a pace He's calling you to. So at first, I'm, like, I'm seeing all these runners and I'm like, my God, what am I doing here? This is so embarrassing. And I'm running. And then at around mile four or five... I start seeing people that I'm passing and I didn't run faster I just kept my pace and what I saw is there were people that they were getting too tired to finish the race and so when I would run past them I, I felt crazy because like dude they're in greater shape than I am but I'm like come on don't quit come on and occasionally one of them would like start running again and then pass me and then I, I saw it's one guy I must have passed him like 15 times and other people I saw, like, injured on the road. There's this one, like, this woman, a paramedic, and this one girl fell, and she hit her head. Like, you think it's just running? Come on, it's a battlefield out there. This is why I did it only one time. It scared me to death. And so I'm running this race. And let me tell you, as I'm running, you say, Pastor Dave, did you want to quit? Oh, yeah. Pastor, when did you want to quit? After, like, 15 steps. I'm like, God, why have you forsaken me? You're like, Pastor, did God really forsake you? Yes! He was nowhere on that race. And I'm running the race. Let me tell you, I get to mile 11. And then mile 12. And I'm wanting to quit. And when I get to mile 12, all of a sudden, right when I'm wanting to quit, and I'm literally about to quit, I hear the sound of the finish line. And at the finish line, they've got these big speakers. And they're saying, you're almost there. We're right around the corner. We're right around the corner of this building. You can't see us, but you can hear us. Don't quit. And all of a sudden, I got this runner's high. And I finished the last mile faster than any. Come on, I've come here to tell somebody you're closer than what you think you are. Don't you dare quit. Keep going. Keep running. Keep trusting God. Keep Keep growing in your faith. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're closer to your breakthrough than you could ever dream of or imagine. But let me say it to you like this. You win if you don't quit. You win if you don't quit. Can I tell you? I wasn't first place. I wasn't 10th place. I'm not even going to tell you what place I came in. But guess what I've got in my room? I've got a medal because I finished and whether you're the first place or the last place which I was not last just want to clarify that for everybody let me tell you something the medals all look the same come on I want to tell somebody today you have the spirit of a finisher in you it's too early to quit go ahead and sign up for brave life one two or three go ahead to go to DNA come on this is your time to say I'm gonna start serving greater than before I'm gonna have greater faith I feel tired I feel worn I feel discouraged but I'm gonna lean into God like it's mile one and I'm not gonna give up come on somebody give God some praise let me give you number four then I'm gonna close you have to know that God is calling out greatness inside of you I love it 
in John chapter 1, I don't have time to go into it entirely. The first time Jesus meets Peter, he doesn't see that he has a temper. He doesn't even tell Peter, Peter, I want to use you, but man, you've got to, dude, you have so much vulgarity in your vocabulary. Like, dude, you got to change some things. And if you change some things, I'm going to use you. No, no, no. In John chapter 1, John the Baptist is there. Jesus sees Simon the first time, and he looks at Peter, and he goes, your name is Simon, but I'm changing your name to Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. You know what he was saying? He's saying, Peter, you're a fisherman right now, but if you give me a chance in your life, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. People are going to preach about you, and they're going to write about you, and they're going to talk about you for thousands of years. He saw greatness where no one else saw greatness. Can I tell you today? God sees greatness in you. Come on, God sees greatness in you. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Brave Church. For more information or to get in touch with us, visit us at bravemiami.com.